Yeah, and uh, we can confirm Chris has been re-signed as co-host. The deal has been uh, emailed to him whilst this pod's been going on um, with uh, the paperwork and the signing on bonus. So Chris, it's good to have you back, and it's I'm glad to to end the end the episode. Not- Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to FPL Apprentices Season 3, Episode 4. We are back, Neto has blanked, Chris has jinxed up our FPL team, so should I say welcome back to FPL Apprentice, not FPL Apprentices, as I'll be hosting and co-hosting the show, because Chris has been sacked. So, I think I'll just get straight into my team. Yeah, Tom. Tom's <laughs> at the same time decided to invite me on as a guest, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm privileged that you give me this opportunity. Opportunity to redeem yourself, Chris. Like I said, I'll be co, I'll be hosting and co-hosting, but this is your uh, chance to to get that co-host spot back. So you better be on form. Well, well, we'll find out about that in today's episode. But firstly, thank you guys for joining us uh, once again. Um, privileged to have you all on now as tom mentioned our team didn't fare too well um in what was uh, another interesting game to start the season tom where would you like to start with this i think i look at my team first um because you know i had another i had another solid week um and when we we, we might as well look at rfpr apprentice team and your team at the same time because they're basically the, the same thing but yeah anyway my team. So, got another solid game week. 70 points for me. Um, Harland, captain. Stand-up performers, Madison. My two, wait, going with two eight mil midfielders has paid off. Trippier, Cancelo, um, Sanchez and Gabriel Jesus, the, the, the stand-up from the team. One transfer, Kane to Harland, captain Harland. He outscored Salah. Kane outscored Harland. It was always going to happen, but yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, Chris, do you want to run us through the other two teams? Yeah, so uh, both my team and the joint team has had similar fortunes in these opening two game weeks. We're both sitting on 104 points, five and a half million in the world, which yeah doesn't sound very great at all. Now, there's, there was a few picks that I, I pushed for at the start of the season on the joint team that was similar to my team. Um, a few punts, you could say. And they haven't paid off. And I said to Tom at the start of the season, I take full responsibility for whatever happens. And I'm taking full responsibility. I I, I took a punt. I, I tried to convince Tom of a punt. And the punt hasn't paid off. And that's what happens after. It was a frustrating Saturday afternoon, especially, as both my team and the joint team had double um, Villa midfield. I also had cash at the back. And uh, that obviously didn't pay off too well so that was disappointing um other positions it's gone wrong for our team I mean we started with Perisic there was that deadline day kerfuffle about whether he was going to play or not and and news came out he wasn't going to play and we were a bit undecided uh, on whether we were going to start him or not we've ended up with Perisic and he obviously hasn't started off too great um but yeah Tom Saka over Martinelli quite a few uh, poor decisions well unfortunate decisions you could argue poor decisions um, to start our season. Yeah, and uh, you're not going to tell the cash story. Me and Chris sitting there with our cash clean sheets locked in and then Chris decides to message me, oh, cash is on for two bonus with 20 minutes left. 
So I said, I, blo- I had to block his number and said, you've jinxed it. And then what happens? Dinier gets his own goal. So Chris is uh, Chris is cursed and cursing our teams by the sounds of it. But, uh, but yeah, no, as, as we like to say, um, it's only two game weeks in. It can't get much better. I mean, worse. Um, and uh, the way it's going right now. But... Yeah, I think I think we just get into no point dwelling on our teams for too long. I reckon we just get into talking about the, the games that's happened this week. Yeah, yeah. So game week started on Saturday afternoon with Villa versus Everton, as we mentioned. And from an FPL perspective, I think this was a very underwhelming game. Quite a lot of people on Bailey. Bailey doesn't start. There was a lot of uncertainty whether he was going to start or not. But it was such a great fiction. I think. The main thing for uh, Villa FPL owners uh, at the start of this season was these opening two games, Bournemouth away and Everton at home. And, you know, if you said someone at the start of the season, Villa are going to score two goals in their opening two games, you might still consider a Bailey. Um, And I obviously push for Coutinho in the joint team. And for neither of them to get any returns is very disappointing. I mean, just to sum up the luck, the misfortune of the Coutinho pick, for those that aren't aware, he picked up a uh, an injury in the second half, at about fifty five minutes, and he sits on the sits on the field getting treatment for about five minutes. Then ends up slowly hobbling off the pitch at fifty nine minutes something. Gets one gets um zero points after his yellow card for bringing down someone because he has no pace. Um, so it's just a disastrous um triple up for Villa for me and in my own team. Very unfortunate, but. <laughs> Villa looked interesting, Tom, with that two up front. They started in game at one with three up front with Bailey, Coutinho and Watkins. This time they went with, um, no, and Ings, sorry. This time they went with Ings up front um, with Watkins and Coutinho behind in the centre forward position. I thought the two worked quite well together. Watkins assisting Ings for the goal, Tom. What did you make of it? And do you think this is a combination we could see Gerard utilising more? Yeah, I think they played very well. I think it was a surprise to ben- for ben- Watkins to be benched in game week one. Um, I think everyone thought he was going to play, even if it was just him up alone instead of Ings. Um, I think that would stick with the two up top. I think it'd be silly for Gerard to change it. Um, but yeah, no, good win for them. They, they obviously got, got off the mark um, with a bad start in game week one. But yeah, I mean, don't, don't think there's much to say. I don't think anyone's on in Ings and Watkins. And if you are, you're probably holding this. But yeah, not yeah, not not wasn't the best stuff the game week for us. I think that's best sums up this. Yeah. Um. Just a quick note, guys. You may have just heard Tom Cow very briefly. We are recording in rain and a bit of thunder, so we might cut out every now and again uh, for a split second. But there shouldn't be too many big issues. But on Villa, Tom, I want to. I want to focus a little bit on future plans because a lot of people own Bailey. Sitting at 5 mil, drop down to 4.9 mil. Uh, what do you recommend people to do in that situation? Don't own him in the first place like me. Should have just gone with Silver and uh, Andreas Pereira. But nah, uh, it's a tough one. I think you've got to sell him, really. I, I can't see him going back in and he's just going to keep dropping. So, I mean, maybe benching this week, but I would, I, he'd definitely be on the chopping block and I think he needs to be gone from your team by game four, Martin. Yeah, I think part of the draw of when, um, sorry, Bailey was his price originally. 
And I always I always considered the fact that he might end up not performing as well as I'd hoped. But he's five mil, so I'm willing to leave him on the bench. I think that's a I don't think it's a priority transfer out. He's gonna come off the bench in most games if he doesn't start. Now what I'd say is even if he does start, fixtures from now on until game week eight don't look great at all. So they've got Palace, West Ham, Arsenal, Man City and Leicester. So not good fixtures in my opinion, although the West Ham game could be quite fruitful. That's yet to be seen um, after their poor start to the season. But Villa's fixtures don't look good at all. And I think the plan for most people at the start of the season should certainly um, have considered the fact that if they're not performing well, Villa, then getting off them in game week for game week three is probably the right strategy. And that's what I'm doing in my own team. I'm looking to offload Cash and Coutinho this week. After what was two punts um, that haven't paid off, you know, you've got to cut your losses at some point. And I'm doing it this game week. I think now is the right time to move off. They've already lost some value. I mean, it couldn't have been much worse for me, Tom. I was I was pretty set on Martinelli for for most of the preseason. I switched to Coutinho a couple of days before the deadline. And I've lost 0.4 team value and about 14 points. So, you know, these little decisions can make quite a big difference. And again, I feel like psychologically, you're looking at bringing in a player for two game weeks. It was it was a punt and it, probably, it, it wasn't too backed up. It was just a bit of a punt in the dark and see what happens. But I was always looking to offload Coutinho after two game weeks. And in my experience, like I said, with the Kane and Haaland thing a couple of weeks ago, these 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 decisions always seem to go wrong for me. So I'm really paying attention to them and I'm going to probably start changing, altering my decision-making um, uh, for better results, Tom. I I think you've, uh, well, you either lied to one of us because you, you said your Casino pick wasn't really backed up. But when on deadline day, you were telling me, oh yeah, you know, he's been doing well in pre-season. All the filler fans think he's going to do this and that. So surely it was backed up because you did research into it. Well, yeah, it was backed up in terms of the fixtures. And I looked at the Villa predicted lineups and he was on every single one of them. So I thought for the first two game weeks, he was set to start both with good fixtures. But it was mainly focused around fixtures. That's the main reason that brought him oh, in. And I know he's got potential to to get a big haul. But in the sense not, of stats and pre-season. That's not what you said to me, you said really. to me on deadline there. Oh dear! Can we restart the season, please? No, I think Bailey's preseason was was probably the best out of that whole Villa team. But they haven't started. I haven't been overly impressed. Diego Carlos getting the injury as well. I think that's quite a big uh, an issue for them. Quite a few niggles. Cash and Coutinho both picked up niggles in that game. So I'd probably look to offload Villa. But Bailey on if you leave Bailey on your bench, I don't think that's uh, the end of the world. Yeah, it's just team value, isn't it? Because he's going to keep dropping. Yeah, just, you'd think so. It was high ownership. Just depends whether you care about team value or not. Yeah. Um, and from a, from an Everton perspective, I like the the guy Onana that came on and got the assist um, for the Dino and goal. He looked really good. Everton lacking attacking threat, I thought, until the last 10 minutes, which was absolutely crazy in that game. Very high uh, levels of chances and very, both teams defensively look very open, uh, but I don't think there's too much to take from that going forward. I think, uh, well, on this note, Tom, Everton play Nottingham Forest at home. I think it's a huge, huge game for them. Um, you know, possibly they could be in the relegation fight. So playing up against Notts Forest without a win in the first two is a huge game because they have two away games after this. Now, 
what would you suggest people do for this game? Because I I can see it being low scoring, and I think Nico Williams, who's in twenty plus percent of teams, is a very playable option. Uh, what do you make of that after watching the Villa Everton game? Yeah, I think. Look, Everton don't have a striker. Um, I think that that sort of sums it up. I think we'll talk more about Williams and that later on, and when we give our predictions as well, we'll people will be able to see um what how I think that game will go. So. I'd prefer to talk about that later on, if that's right. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, moving on to the next Saturday game, Tom. Let's hear your thoughts on the Arsenal versus Leicester game. Yeah, I think um, lots of goals. I mean, you were talking, you said maybe there'd be a clean sheet um, for Arsenal. I was pretty certain Leicester would score. I didn't expect it to be 4-2. I think I went 2-1 to Arsenal. But... You know, we we both predicted an Arsenal win. Um, Jesus, I mean, we spoke about on the pod last week. There was like four hundred or five hundred thousand managers sold Jesus, and we were like, "What were you doing?" And he got nineteen points, which is ridiculous. And he looks very good. Um, and Arsenal looked to have built a a very solid team, and and Arteta's built a very solid team. So definitely a team to take seriously. Leicester, look, they're They've got problems defensively. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I just think it's a sort of game where obviously you didn't expect the amount of goals, but you expect it to be a result like that. I, I, I don't really think there's there's much to take if you've got the Arsenal assets and you keep them, and they're definitely investable. I think defensively, midfield and attack. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I I think with Arsenal, they started with two. You know, the Palace away game start of the season was actually quite tough, but we always looked at them at the start of the season as, as having a nice early fixture on. They've still got Bournemouth, Fulham, Villa, United, Everton and Brentford uh, up into game of eight. So each one of those games, I see pretty strong potential of goals and a chance of a clean sheet in pretty much every single one of those games. So I think that highly investable team with their form, most importantly. Um, Jesus is a bit of a no-brainer. I mean, he's in nearly 80% of teams now. And with his potential that he showed in this Leicester game, going without him is a huge risk at 8.1 mil. Um, I want to ask you, Tom, about Saka and Martinelli because it's caused quite a bit of controversy. Uh, people didn't know whether to go Saka or Martinelli at the start of the season. Now, Martinelli started off the better in terms of FPL points, but he also seems to have looked the more threatening uh, for goals and maybe assists as well. What do you make of the Martinelli-Saka situation? Yeah, again... Haven't watched Arsenal played uh, any highlights, so I can't really comment. But from what I've read in Slack channels and on that sort of thing, yeah, it sounds like Martinelli's uh, a lot in a lot better. Yeah, goal scoring opportunities. He he's more threatening than Saka, um, and obviously he's a lot cheaper than Saka as well. So, I mean, if you've gone with Martinelli, then I think you've made the right decision. Um, yeah, don't don't think. Yeah, in in the second half of last season. Martinelli slightly outscored Saka for FPL points and he's come into this season he's started off with, with good form we saw decent form from him in pre-season um, now I heard talk about Saka playing quite defensively in the Palace game now that might be because they're 1-0 up away from home uh, against Palace but I think with Ben White playing at right back I can. he's not a very offensive so you'd think Saka maybe pushes up but he seems to be playing quite um, defensively from what I've heard not as involved as Martinelli um, but I think you hold 
but you, I think you hold Saka with the fixtures. And last season, he seemed to, I seem to remember that he was strong in home games. Watford at home, Newcastle at home, he got goals in these types of games. So I think Saka's a, um, a hold. And Martinelli, at his price, I think if you can, you bring him in this week. He's already gone up 0.3 mil. I think he's the he's the hot topic. He's the he's the player you want to get on. I think he's the focus. If you're going to bring anyone this week, I think Martinelli's the man. Yeah, no, I yeah, no, I agree with what you said. Um, just one thing on Villa. You know, we were talking about. Uh, funny enough, Aston Villa must be uh, tuning into our podcast live somehow, Chris. But they just tweeted a picture of Leon Bailey and just a picture of him on the pitch and just tweet and just. Wrote Leon Bailey, so uh, <laughs> take that how you want. But um, maybe, maybe Gerard or the, the media team are tuning in live to our podcast somehow. But yeah, take that how you want in terms of maybe Bailey will be playing. Who knows? Yeah, um, I, I do think with Bailey, listen out for any kind of team news because Gerard last season switched around the, the formation, especially up front. He went with three up front, and then he switched to Watkins and Ings as a two striker formation. I can see him continuing to rotate. Now, people suggested that the reason why Gerard went two up front is because Everton went with five at the back. So two strikes up against the three centre-backs. Now, Crystal Palace played four at the back, um, just like Aston Villa's game week one opponent, which was uh, Bournemouth. So there is a chance that Bailey comes back in. And if you know that he's going to play, I think away at Palace is not a great fixture, but if you know he's going to play probably at least 60, then probably worth a start in my opinion over an Andreas Pereira so I, I just I'd keep him uh, as late as possible if you really want to get rid of him just just probably wait until the Saturday morning yeah but you have to be careful because I don't know if you saw Gerard's press conference last week but everything he said last week made you think Bailey was going to start um so obviously I, I unless we get an early predicted team news um, which I don't think we will, and then I don't think you'll know if he's starting. But yeah, obviously, there's an argument. I, I don't necessarily agree either. You should wait to make your transfers till Saturday because there's hundreds of price. Like there's like like the last few nights has been like 20 price drops a night or something. So there's so you're losing a lot of value on these transfers. So obviously, wait for team news. But earlier in the season, which I'm sure we'll have this discussion later. But early in the season, there's a lot of price drops and a lot of price rises very early. So. Maybe it's not always the best suggestion to wait. In my Maybe not, um, especially with the volatility of the FPR market at the moment. Now, the the other thing with Bailey is he started off with quite high ownership, so a lot of people can transfer him out, which means that his price is more likely to go down. Uh, so that's a that's quite a risk with Bailey. Now, Tom mentioned about uh, price changes. For those that aren't aware, there are websites where which predicts with quite high accuracy whether players are going to rise in price or go down in price which normally happens about two in the morning um so if you wanted to check that out tom do you have the name of the website that people can use i do what is it called share it yeah all right we'll uh we'll share it um fantasy football fix go on there you probably have to make an account it's good though they've uh you, you used to have to enter your fpl password but because of the hacking last season, they give you an option just to make an, a, a single login. So what I'd suggest is you can link it to your FPL account with your FPL ID, but whatever you do, don't put your FPL password on there just because of hacking. So just make a, and make like a new account on the website itself. Um, but yeah, a fancy football fix. 
there's a few others as well. There's just ones that you can just hop on if you just type in um, fancy football price rises into Google. But yeah, fancy football fix always very reliable um, for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Return to the Arsenal-Leicester game, I think me and Tom have a strong consensus that Arsenal in all positions are looking good until at least game week eight. On the Leicester side of things, Tom, I've heard that Madison looked the sharpest in that game out of the whole team. He's probably the only option that I'd be considering defensively. I think they started with five at the back again. Justin got an assist, interestingly, but I'd stay steer well clear of them. I'm not convinced by them at all defensively. Four goals conceded against Arsenal, two against Brentford. Don't expect much. But Madison, out of everyone in that team, seems like the man. Have you seen Justin's assist? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was from the own goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it's comical. Goodbye. It's nice to have Salah back at Arsenal. Come on. Um, all, that hype, all that hype and people bringing him over, Gabriel to save the money, and then he gets the own goal. That's class. But yeah, no. I, I went with Madison in game week one. You know, people were put off by this transfer talk, all that. But, you know, talks that he might be signing a new contract, etc. But, yeah, look, I think he's by far the best player in that Leicester team. Um, he's a quality player. But, I, I like, obviously, he's playing well. But I don't think I'd suggest moving on him now. Would you, Chris? I mean, his fixture, Southampton, Chelsea, United, Brighton. It's not a great running now. So, I think if you don't have it, if you haven't, I'm going to keep him all the way through till a wild card, I think. Well, I might I might even keep him after that because he's got a good run in game at nine. But I don't think he's a player you get on now, though, personally. Unless you're well, maybe wild card in game week four. Well, you mentioned on last week's pod how Leicester's fixtures in game week nine look very positive. And I think that would be a great time to invest. For now, Chelsea away, tough. Brighton away, tough. Spurs away, tough. Within the next six game weeks. So a lot of tough away games. Um, but Saints, Man United and Villa at home offers some good potential. I think he'll certainly be picking up points. Um, I think he's great. I think Southampton defensively are possibly one of the poorest teams in the league. So I think he's got huge potential this week. But it wouldn't be a priority transfer unless you're looking to wildcard soon, as you mentioned, Tom. Yeah, I think a lot of people are scared of moves like that. Um, which is weird because in my eyes, Madison's a proven Prem player. But... Like people would be fine to, you know, take the hits for the likes of Saka or Mount, people like that. But in my opinion, Madison's better than both of them. Um, and he's been doing it for years, just been unlucky of injuries and plays in a Leicester team that's maybe not as good as, as Arsenal and that. So it's an interesting one, but I'm very, I'm very happy to own him. I was very happy to own him even when he blanked in game week one because he, or he got an assist in game week one, I think. I don't know. Actually. Yeah, he did. He got that lucky one, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I'm, I'm, he's not going nowhere in my team. And I love, I, from obviously from two seasons ago, people still listening from there when I had that Madison and Barnes triple up. I've, I like Madison a lot. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to have him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and two returns in your first two game weeks is decent at whatever price, really. So good start to the season from him. Uh, moving on, Tom. Brighton versus Newcastle. Now, although that was a nil-nil, I thought a very interesting uh, game from, from what I've seen and what I've heard. First of all... Um, well done to Newcastle. Two clean sheets, four points in the first two games, continuing what we almost expected them to do, really. I think our expectations are continually getting higher and higher for this Newcastle team. Defensively, they look rock solid. And with Nick Pope in goal, you know, it just adds to that solidity. So really impressed by Newcastle. After game week five, they got a lovely run. I think if you're looking to wildcard around that time, then 
double, triple Newcastle. I think that their price is certainly on the cards. I really like the look of them. Um, five saves for Pope. No, and I think you've got... Yeah, go on. Before I forget on Newcastle, just two things, and then I, I can let you... Because I know you're going to talk before, about Brighton before I can talk about Newcastle, just quick. But, um, yeah, so on Newcastle, firstly, I see a lot of people wanting to sell Trippier. I don't understand why. I mean, I know they've got Man City, but I think a lot of people have, like, the likes of Pereira. They've got, like, a lot of people have at least one player on the bench. So you just bench him, and then you can play against Wolves, and then, I mean... Again, you probably bench him at Liverpool, you play him. But then the run's so good. And to be honest, I can't see City scoring more than two. Um, I think it's going to be low scoring. So it, I think at the end of the day, it's going to get you at least one point. Um, so I, I, firstly, in that point, I don't know why lots of people are looking. Unless, I guess, maybe if you're wildcard in game week four, because there's no point keeping. But like people that are long-term, I think he's a long-term holder. I really don't understand the rush to sell him. I've seen it a lot on Twitter. Um but secondly, an interesting thing is, obviously, the Newcastle last season, towards the end of the season, they were great at home. However, they did, they they solidified more away, but they they did drop quite a few points away from home, if I remember correctly. Um, and I'd say that, yes, they got the point, but when you watch the highlights, they were very fortunate. A couple of scrambles on the goal line, that sort of thing. Um, and a, and a, a sitter, I can't remember who missed it for Brian, from about five yards up. So I think, again... I think they're going to be, like I said, they're going to be solid. But when when you're when you're analysing this game, in my opinion, I think yes, they were solid. But I think it was they were, it was a very lucky clean sheet, in my opinion, with with some of the chances Brian missed and some of the, the scrambles on the line. If that makes sense. Interesting, yeah. I mean, the fact that Pope had to make five saves possibly mm. doesn't reflect very well. But they've got Pope, and we know Pope's been very highly spoken about in that Burnley team. He's a great shot stopper, and he proved that in this game. And if Pope stays in goal, they're going to have this. Um, goalkeeping um, quality uh, in each of these away games. So I think yeah. it, may, it probably even increases the appeal of Nick Pope, especially away from home, because he didn't make a single save against Knott's Forest, but made five against Brian Tom. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, look, Pope's a, Pope, Pope is one of the best keepers in the league. Um, and I think, look, like you said, with, the, with that, that Newcastle defence was getting good anyway at the end of the season. I mean, you look at that lineup, I. Did, yeah, did, I don't know who played at left back. I think it was Burn. His target's injured. Burn, Botman, I mean, as well. Yeah, Burn, Shaw, Botman, and Trippier with Pope in goal. I mean, it's a very solid back line. And like you said, with Pope, with Pope at the back, there's. Yeah, I think I, I think Chris, if you're wild card in game week four or five, there is an argument to go with Pope in goal. Wouldn't you say? As your keeper. Absolutely. I mean, if you're if you're wild carding at any point in the next few three to five game weeks. I absolutely have them in. They've got they've got some great, great home games in the um in the first part of the season up until the wildcard. Villa, Everton, Brentford, Bournemouth and Palace. And in the away games you can see Pope picking up quite a few saves. So I think he's a he's a great option at five mil. Um and going back to the trippier point, Tom, I think uh, unless you're pretty certain on wildcard and soon and you want to try and optimize points getting a Reese James in or something like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't get rid of Trippier. Let's not forget he had, he had very good attacking potential in uh, pre-season. He's already picked up two bonus points in two games. Had very good um, threat and creativity against Notts Forest. So I, I don't see the, the draw in getting rid of Trippier. Oh. Uh, unless, you, unless you really want a wild card maybe in game week six because you'd bench him in Man City and Liverpool game. 
you'd only have them for the Wolves game. Um, but I think those new Newcastle options from game week six onwards up until the World Cup, absolutely great value for money, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And look, there's nothing saying Sock and Trippier from getting a return against City or Liverpool, you know, with, with an assist or with a goal or, or, or even, well, dare I say it, a clean sheet. So, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I've just seen loads of people saying, oh, yeah, we have to ship Trippier off now. And it, it just makes no sense because, like we said, Newcastle look great and they've got a great defence on them. So, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand that one. But I'm sure the team you've been buzzing to talk about, Chris, you can uh, have your set. You can have your Sam Bryan now. Yeah, so I, I was really impressed by Brighton at the end of last season. They beat Arsenal and Spurs away from home and they thrashed United on the last game of the season. They looked really solid in the last five to eight games of, of last season. Really, really good. And they've carried that on into the start of this season, I think. Now, they do show that perhaps lack of clinical finishing, not scoring uh, with some very good opportunities against Newcastle. They had one cleared off the line, as Tom mentioned as well. Um, but it, but the the potential's there, and I, I like some of their assets at very cheap prices. Last year, I like the look of Welbeck, and he had a very good end to the season. I think it's six point five. He's maybe a little bit pricey, a bit too much, um, but one to monitor because if he hits some goal scoring form, I think he could be very good. Brighton's fixtures up until game week eight, and the reason why I'm using game week eight is because it's probably about the time that most people are going to be wild carding. I'm guessing. And it's certainly when I'm looking to wildcard. So they play West Ham in game at three. Leeds, pretty leaky defence. Fulham might be quite tough. Leicester, great game. Bournemouth and Palace at home. And I think they're going to be creating a lot of chances this team. And I think they're playing with Solly March um, at five mil as a right winger. Um, so he, he's a, a very um, apt Bailey replacement, in my opinion. Um, I really like the look of Pascal Gross. I think he's on some set pieces and I'm pretty sure he's on penalties. He's got two goals against United. I think his his potential for points is good at 5.6 million. I wouldn't really look at Trossard at 6.5. He's at wing back. I haven't seen too much of him. Um, and then defensively, they keep a clean sheet in this one. One goal conceded against United, which was a scrappy corner goal. I think uh, with the fixtures I've just mentioned, very good potential for clean sheets. So Sanchez owners can be pleased with with who they've got, in my opinion. Um, but I, I really like the look of Brian. I think uh, defensively, you probably don't transfer him. There's a lot of defensive options around, but if you've got a defensive option, keep them. And I'm, I'm strongly considering bringing in uh, Pascal Gross into my own team this week. And he showed he's got potential for points. And if he's on penalties, sorry, he showed he's got potential for points in the United game getting two goals. Um, but the fact that he's probably on penalties as well, I think he's a, he's a pretty... He's a pretty good buy, mainly because I really like the way Brighton are playing. I think they're, they're really transforming as a team and they're very investable, in my opinion, for a five to six game week punt at a low price. Yeah, hearing you talk about Welbeck, the way you're talking about him is like seeing Man United trying to sign an out pitch maybe five years ago on, on FPL, but uh, not not now for me. And I don't get me started on the gro- gross however you say the name pick but no yeah defensively I'm, I'm very happy to have Sanchez as my keeper in, in that yeah alright well, I'm, I'm happy with that discussion I think we move on to Man City versus Bournemouth Tom main points to take from this game Harland had eight touches of the game of the ball nearly a, a record if Lukaku hadn't made the record last season <laughs> uh, it's interesting actually 
um, because quite a few people were talking up. Well, on I don't know if you saw it, but people I know on Twitter, um, James, quite a fair pod, a few other people were talking up Gundogan on on deadline day, just because they thought he'd be playing a similar position where he played when he had that pause when KDB was injured two seasons back. He obviously scored the goal, um, but I think the 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 funniest thing from this the show from this game is De Bruyne completely outscoring Haaland um, because I saw people considering switching De Bruyne to Haaland because they were like and I just yeah so I think that City won 4-0 I mean I I think I predicted 4-0 and then switched to 6-0 I think on the pod and you went 5-0 so it went how we expected it um, I really don't think there's anything to take from this game to be honest at all nothing, nothing well nothing. I think if you look at the the Haaland and Kane shenanigans that we've had in these first two game weeks, I, I want to say that I think Kane was the, with the information that we had, probably the the better pick for the Southampton game. However, if you're always looking to go to Haaland in game week two, then that decision I'm still unsure about. Um, because Haaland showed his potential in that community shield game. He, he got a lot of the chances and we saw that in the West Ham game. Now, this one, Haaland had a good chance in the box that he dragged wide and he had an open goal denied from him by Phil Foden's greediness, um, not to mention the assist that he already had. I think Haaland was by far the better pick and the fact that Kane outscored him was very fortunate for Kane owners, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't I don't think Kane was overly involved, especially in the first half in the, the Chelsea-Spurs game uh, and gets that header at the end, which is uh, good, especially for Kane's moving forward. I think... The next four fixtures for Spurs, he looks he looks great, but I, I wouldn't be um, too underwhelmed. Well, I would be underwhelmed for this game, but Haaland, even with few touches, was in the right position still, and we we will see that turn into goals and more assists in in the coming game, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah, and it just it was just sound of FPL. Yeah, exactly. Tottenham score four and Kane blanks, and City score four and Haaland gets an assist, basically a blank. Yeah, that's FPL for you. Um, but yeah, I think that if you stuck with Kane, well done. If you went with Haaland, well done. They're, they're both viable options, as you said. Yeah. Is Gundogan worth investing in, Tom? You got t- two bonus points with 64 minutes and a goal in this game. Not this week because they're playing Newcastle. But he's definitely someone on my watch list, I think. Um, and if you're on a wild card in the coming weeks, then I'd definitely keep, keep mine. But no, yeah, not, not at the moment, but definitely uh, could be a viable option for your third city. Yeah, I, I'd recommend just watching and seeing what happens in the Newcastle game. If he gets at least 70 minutes again, then he looks like a very nice three-game week pump from Palace to Villa in game week six. Notts Forest in the middle of those two games. I think there's good potential there and it is a nice, quite a nice price point as well. You can easily go down from an 8 mil midfielder, but you probably don't want to do that because most of them have, have got great fixtures themselves. So I feel like he's one of those players that might perform. We recognise that he probably will perform, uh, but it's just not really viable to bring him in. Uh, but yeah. for some people, it might be. Not this week, not this week. Not this week, no. And on the De Bruyne uh, situation, I think his position this season seems to be more advanced than we've seen in previous seasons, especially in home games. He's he's kind of ended up dropping back and playing quite wide to whip in balls in a lot of games. But um, 
I think even if that does happen this year, it'd be whipping in balls to Haaland instead of Sterling, which is which is great for him um, in terms of assist potential. But in these these first couple of games, he just seems to be quite offensive, playing more offensive than we've seen in the past couple of seasons. And he got a lovely goal in this game, uh, three returns already this season. I think he's got great great potential, and I think he'll uh, match Haaland for points this season if he gets the same number of minutes. It'll definitely be close, yeah. Um, and I think before we move off, word on Cancelo, 11 points. Great start to the season. Um, and he is just showing why he is such a class option. I'm by myself telling my team. And that's, I mean, he got an assist off, off an own goal, but still he's in the positions he's picking up. He's a bonus point merchant when we get a clean sheet as well. So if you don't have him, I'd be very concerned. Yeah, the, the bonus points potential of Cancelo is probably not talked about enough. He got a yellow card and two bonus points in the West Ham game. He's done that before as well. He's great for bonus points and City keeps so many clean sheets. So he's such, he's such a great option and worth the extra couple mil over Walker or Ake in my opinion. Last person to mention Thomas Foden only played 45 minutes goal and assist. Is there any draw there for you? No. None at all. Just it, it, it happens year in, year out. I don't know. I think he'll get a good... He'll probably get a good run in, um, in the team, maybe. But no, I just, just can't go there personally. Just, just don't think it's worth it. I think there's too much uncertainty at 8 mil. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah. I, I, don't like, I don't like it, to be honest at all. I prefer yeah. to get the, the double defence instead. Yeah, you're you're unsure if he starts, and then you're unsure how many minutes he gets, as proven by his 45 minute mm. um, game against Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. All right, Saints versus Leeds in the next game, Tom. I think there's one main talking point from this. Um, just quickly, Saints and Leeds defensively both don't look amazing, but main main player to look at from this game is Rodrigo. Now, Tom, three goals in his first two games. He's an out of position. 6.1 mil midfielder. Banff is injured for the next couple of weeks as far as I'm aware. This guy looks like he could be very, very decent. Yeah. Maybe. Um again, I'm not I'm not sure. I think I think he had a similar run in last season, scored a couple of goals. You hopped on him, I think, if I remember correctly, and didn't he didn't do a lot. Um I just yeah, I, I I think it's hard for me because I've got a different format where I don't have anyone around that price. I think if you had players around that price, then maybe it would be a good switch. But I just I just couldn't comment on him. I've done those research. I don't even know if I've watched the highlights from Leeds or Um But yeah, I just have no interest in Leeds or Southampton. So I've done no no research into them or anything like that. Like yeah. My recommendation is absolutely do not get their defence. Uh, and if you've got an offensive player against one of these defences, is uh, I'd be confident in that situation. I consider bringing in players if they got a nice run with one of these two teams. For me, I think Rodrigo is a no-go for the next couple of games. Chelsea at home and Brighton away is two tough games. and uh, It might just be a bit of a one-off because Rodrigo um, got two goals and Bamford wasn't playing. Uh, but I think Bamford got quite a few more of the chances in game at one when they play against Wolves. So I, I want to see how, how Rodrigo... Um, how he does in the next couple of game weeks uh, to see if this trend continues because it's two hard games. I don't think it's worth hopping on now. 
I think from game week five to game week eight, he has a nice run of Everton, Brentford, Notts Forest and United. So I think at that point, it's worth a consideration if you're looking for a short-term pump for the wild card. But for me, I'd leave him the next couple of game weeks. Yep. Not much else to say about these two games. Can we move on to Wolves? Next game, Wolves versus Fulham. Mitro misses the Penton, but I'm sure this won't be the main uh, talking point for you, will it? We're back again, Chris. Those of you to, that listened to the pod last week, firstly, thank you for listening. There was, a, there was a very high number. It's good to see our numbers going up. But I'm sure you would have heard me ripping into Chris about Neto. And it's uh, going to be the same again today. He blanks again, of course, because as I said to you, Chris, Wolves don't score goals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I just feel bad. I look at uh, uh, every time I log on to FPL, I just look at your midfield. Just It just makes me smile. Uh, I just don't think I've seen a midfield like that at the start of FPL before. Just It's just terrible. Um, uh, so, yeah, look, Neto just tops off the icing of Coutinho. Um, Neto missed an open goal. Obviously, Coutinho getting zero and Bailey not even signed. So, yeah, it just, just makes me a happy man being able to talk about Neto each week, week in, week out. I, I think that the most important thing to take from this is that Tom is taking great pleasure and joy from my misfortunes in FPL as my co-worker, co-host. So it's You're not the co-host, <laughs> You're on as a guest. Do you not listen to the intro? I'm doing what you did to Alfie Winter when you when he came on as, a, as our guest and you ripped into his team. I'm just showing you how it feels. The poor, poor fella. <laughs> okay, well, on, on a serious note uh, with Neto, he had one great chance, one-on-one, which was well saved by Rodak and most importantly, I mean, this is the type of game, home game against the not great defence. You know, you'd expect him to get some chance. And out of, from the highlights, he was the most involved Wolves attacker by far. He was the most likely to get a return. He had a an open goal from quite a tight angle that he decided to try and dribble in. And the defender got back. Um, but he, he showed the potential. He showed in that game why I had him, just without the, the finishing touch. So, again, it's just the, these little fine margins in FPL that make a huge difference. Right. My plan for him is to keep him. I'm, I'm still considering playing him against Spurs because I think I remember a couple of seasons ago, one or two seasons ago, Neto scored in, in quite a tough, um, close, attritional game between Chelsea and Wolves. And I can see him being the one on the counter-attack, him being the one to get the, the big chance that Wolves will probably get against Spurs. So I'm still considering keeping him. Um, I'm, sorry, I'm playing him this game. He cannot bench him. And then after that, he plays Newcastle, Bournemouth and Southampton. So I'll play him in each of those three games and I'll give him the chance. Um, I'll give him the time that I originally decided upon. But I think if you own him, you've been unfortunate this game week. I do not think he was a bad pick just because he didn't end up getting a return the first two game weeks does not make him a bad pick in my opinion. He was a bad pick because he plays for a team that don't score goals and their striker got injured before the season started. So I, I, I just don't I just like I just don't get what you expect. It's like it's like having like I don't know. Like I guess you can't really say it for Norwich because Pookie does score goals, but you, you you get a player in from one of the teams that scores the least amount of goals in the Premier League and it's not even their main and their main man. And, and well, the I think you've, the you've that got to remember, Tom. I understand that, but 
Jimenez wasn't present in all the preseason games, and we seem to be forming quite a nice uh, young attacking um, well quad with uh, Gibbs White, Wangy Chan, Pones, and Nevers, and they seem to be doing quite well. And I, I, I like what I heard of them, and I thought Nevers at his price point is worth a punt. And had he had he finished the, an open goal from a tight angle, which he's more than capable of doing. I don't think we'd be sitting here saying it was a bad pick. I, I think he's the main man for goals in that Wolves team and we'll see that over the course of the open um, 10 or so games of the season. Maybe. They might they might just manage five goals in the next 10 games. Not 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 convinced. Not convinced. Mm. Uh, from keep, a Fulham perspective, Tom? Will you keep him if you wildcard early? I don't know. It was an opening six-game-week punt, and I wouldn't keep him for three game-weeks of Newcastle, Bournemouth and Saints because it's a bit like Coutinho redone because after that, it's Liverpool, City, West Ham, Chelsea. So it's one of those where you're going to get rid of him after a few game-weeks. So I'd rather choose someone that's uh, that's going to stay in a team for a bit longer. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Fulham, Tom, thoughts? Good, good point for them. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't be investing in them on FPL. Um, sounds like Mitrovic is still on Penzo, so if you did go for him, then fine. No need to sell him. Uh, I I don't know Pereira's fitness. I hope he's alright. So I want to play him this week. But yeah, no, they. I think that's two good points. Um, I think that they could have won both games. Obviously, Mitrovic missing the pen and Liverpool game, they got very unlucky. But they're 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 showing a statement to the Prem that they're not here to be pushed over. So it's just seeing how long they can they can keep it up. But yeah, a great a good start for them for the season. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think defensively, don't get fooled by their clean sheet in this one. Um, they have brought in Issa Diop, who I expect to come in for Team Ream at left centre back, and that should strengthen the defence. And Burn Leno should come in and start playing at goalie, but um. Wolves created quite a few chances in this game. And look, you'd probably expect that for an away game. You know, relegation, probably a team that's going to struggle to avoid relegation this season going away from home to Wolves. You probably expect them to concede quite a few chances, but they did they did open up a few times. But I think they, they, they're going to do better and put up more of a fight than they have done in previous seasons. I, w- I would probably keep Mitrovic for the next at least three game weeks. He has two decent home games. Um, but other than that, probably play Pereira this week I think he's got decent potential uh, but other than that yeah not really much else from fun yeah is he is he, is he going to be fit Pereira you know I'm not sure yet he's yellow flagged on FPL that, for those that aren't aware with a knock uh, however if I had to guess I'd say he's going to play okay. nice that's what I want to <laughs> all right Brentford versus United, Tom. The the fraud himself, the silver, is about to frustrate many an FPL manager, I think. Mm, why? Because I've seen people bringing him in, uh, which yeah, is why his price is up by 0.1. And he, he's scored two goals this season, and people have already got their heads turned. However, his XG in that time is below 0.1, which means he's, he's been expected to score less than 0.1 goals in the opening two games. If you remember, the, the Leicester goal was very nice, to be fair. 30 minutes off the bench, he got a nice goal. With the De Gea mistake for, for his goal in the United game is not going to happen again this season, you'd think. 
Also, his minutes aren't too high. He's always going to get minutes managed. But look, as, as a very cheap player, he's probably going to play most of the games on the bench. He's not bad. With Brentford's fixtures, you can play him every now and again if you've got a good feeling. Um, but I, I wouldn't expect him to to do well regularly. I just, I just don't think you're in a place to disrespect the legend Josh De Silva. I've had him on my bench. And let's compare his points to Neto. I mean, we need to calculate for that. There's such a big difference. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, if if I gain value out of him, that'll be a that'll be a a, a laugh for me. Um, yeah, no. I mean, look. I think no one expected Brentford to win four um, nil. I think like no one expected United to win either. But the United United are rubbish. They are terrible. Um, I mean, De Gea had a stinker the first two goals. They're trying to play out the back. De Gea is not. De Gea is an old-fashioned keeper. He's not good with his feet, so they just need to lump it up there. I mean, Maguire is also not good with his feet. Um, but they just don't look like they have any game plan. Matey's had six weeks with them, and I mean, I don't really know what they're they're trying to do. The fourth goal, though, Tony to your man in Bremo. I can't believe you haven't stuck with him this season, Chris. After last season, um, but yeah, He's lovely a striker lovely. this season. Yeah, I know, I know exactly. Even better. But yeah, lovely, lovely go. And I think, again, Brentford are a team to take seriously this year. Um, and United aren't. I'm, I mean, there's people, like we said last week, there's probably people on United, Sancho, that sort of thing. But I think you've got to get off them like ASAP now. That That is a priority transfer. They are terrible. And there's no way they're improving anytime soon. No, no chance. No, it's going to take a lot for them to improve i think if they if they get a goal or two and they maybe get a draw or a win they, they might get a bit of confidence but it will be empty confidence i think i think all it would take if they did get a good result it would be for the next week them to lose the game and they go straight back to square one in terms of confidence now on on brentford tom i mentioned on last week's pod how their fixtures before the world cup look really good they play man city spurs west ham and liverpool in the period between game week 16 and game week 19 now, for those that aren't aware, uh, we get an unlimited free transfers during the World Cup. Um, so if you have your Brentford players up until game week 16, you're missing out pretty much on all those fixtures because you can wildcard them out um, during the World Cup. So that means their fixtures look very, very good. They've got a sea of green from game week 3 to game week 15 on the fixture difficulty ranking on FPL. Now, me got the goal in this one, Tom. I'm not sure if he's definitely... Are going to continue in the team because I think there's, they've still got a centre-back to come back from injury. Um, but if, if anyone of those centre-backs stay fit, if, if the full-backs stay fit, I think Henry at uh, 4.5 mil, the left wing-back, he's, he's looking like he could be good value this year and rare in goal as well. I think that whole Brentford defence is going to offer good value. And then up front, I'm not convinced on a boomer. I think with his bonus points, probably lessened as a striker now. Uh, I don't think and obviously gets one less point, doesn't get for a goal, and then no clean sheet points. I don't, I wouldn't really go to him unless he's on ridiculous form. Tony looks very good, uh, playing well, 17 points in his first two games. I wouldn't be against going there at all. I think fixtures are great. You know, it doesn't matter whether you, you want to bring them in for the short term or the long term. Whenever you bring them in, they're probably going to have a nice little run of fixtures. So Brentford, very investable if you're hitting the wild card now. Uh, or if you're just looking for for a cheap player, 
to carry you through the next few game weeks, then I think Brentford are a great team to go to. Yeah, sorry, give me a second. Um, yeah, I think if you have a Darwin Nunes, you'd probably, I'd say Tony's a great replacement. Um, and I think if I was on the wild card this week, I'd definitely be going in with Rico Henry. Um, but yeah, no, they're they're definitely a team to invest in and play a nice style of football. Great, they're great, great to watch. Um, but if you are hopping on Josh De Silva, just remember that Damsgaard is going to be coming to the team soon as well. Um, obviously. He was great in the Euros or World Cup, whatever which one it was. And I don't know how long De Silva will keep his place. Well, but yeah, I think Brentford are definitely a team to invest in. And I'm sure in our own team or, or, in, or in, yeah, in our own teams or in our joint team, we'll have some Brentford at some point before the World Cup. Yeah, I think that's that's highly likely. Uh, Damsgod could be a very nice pick. I, I was, consider, when considering my transfers for this game week, I, I was looking at, Arika Henry. It, it depends on your team structure. If you're going for an, an expensive defence, which I probably will end up doing, then there might not be space for a Brentford defender. But I think certainly Rare could be an extremely high value goalkeeper at 4.5 mil. And if you want a fifth, fourth or fifth defender, I think Brentford's defence is, is one to go to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can play him every week as your fifth defender. Um, so, yeah, it's good. Good to have. Yeah. But yeah, no, very, very impressive. Brent. It's very good to see. Um, but yeah, United, I mean, there's just no point. Stay away. There's no point talking about United. There's so much we could talk about. We could probably do a whole episode on them. Um, so yeah, I, don't, I think not much point to talk about them anymore. Yeah, so moving on to the Nottingham Forest West Ham game. Now, one player that's really um, making some noise in the FPL community is Nico Williams. And he might stop you from bringing in a Brentford defender as a fifth defender at 4 million. Very interesting performance in this one. We saw in game week one that he, he gets it quite advanced. But this game was really interesting. The fact that um, not Suarez kept the clean sheet in this one uh, is extra encouragement for Nico Williams' owners. He even picked up a bonus point as well, which is good to see. Now, I think that there's so much positive uh, there's so much positivity we can take from his performance. Not only is he very high up, and if teams play with four at the back, he's normally a man unmarked at the back stick, as we saw in this West Ham game a couple of times. He's on pretty much all set pieces, which I, I've only been made aware of recently, Tom. It means it highly increases the chance of the player getting a key pass, and key passes are very beneficial for the bonus point system, uh, which is why players like De Bruyne seem to rack up a lot of bonus points. Um. So he's on corners, he's on set pieces, uh, on the you know free kicks. He he's not afraid to take shots from outside the box. He scored a couple for Fulham last season on loan. Uh, he took a couple pop shots in this game against West Ham as well. Had a great chance in the box with the ball felt in at the back post, unmarked as I mentioned. Uh, looks looks very promising. And the fact that Notts Forest can um, grind out a clean sheet, granted they looked open at points. The fact they've got a clean sheet is very promising for Williams' owners. I think he's a he's a good option, very good option, and very playable this week against an Everton team. Okay, Forrester away from home, but the Everton attack has got some work to be done. Um, so that's what I'd make of the defence, Tom. And before you come in and give your opinions, I'd just like to mention the attack as well. I thought Forrester offensively were fairly good this game. Awani getting the goal, he probably looks like the most likely to score. He's not a 90-minute man. 
and I'm not sure if whether he's on penalties or not, but he's he's probably the most likely to score. He's in good positions, and um, if you're looking for a short, I think he could he could have value at some points in the season, but for now uh, he wouldn't be a transfer in for me. But I think he's got promise. This guy. I think uh, Brennan Johnson's on pens. Okay. What did you make of Forrest, Tom? Didn't watch the game, actually. I listened to it on the radio. Firstly, West Ham cost me a bloody lot of money. Uh, that's uh, one thing to note. Um, can't seem to finish. Just don't don't know why Rice is on penalties either in terms of West Ham. Um, what did they make of Forrest? I mean, yeah, good, good result, good win. I mean, I think it's one of those ones where like, it's your first game in the Prem for, what, 20, 30 years. I'm going, yeah. So, so you expect them to, you know, the crowd to be buzzing, the atmosphere to be great. So it's one of those ones where, look, even if they weren't the bet, even if they didn't play the, the bet performance, you expect the crowd to get them over the line. And it did sound like it was rocking. Um, so yeah, if you got Nico Williams, great playing this week, probably. Um, but... I'm not looking to invest in Forrest in, in, in my team personally. But yeah, Nick, Nico, William, Nico Williams is definitely a great option at 4-0. Um, and I'm, I'm sure he will he will rise soon. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you got him playing this week, but there's there's no rush for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hooked on them. Yeah, I think some people might look at this Forrest win and, and think their options are pretty good. Henderson, I think a lot of people will look to especially if they're picking goalkeepers based off of points, maybe on a wild card. I think there's decent potential. Forrest have got some decent games in the next 10 or so game weeks, um, especially home games. However, mm. I'm not overly convinced by their defence. They played a 5-2-3 formation in this one. And the centre-backs didn't seem to push up. West Ham could get very close to goal, right to the edge of the box. And the centre-backs didn't seem to push up very much. It was left to the two midfielders to kind of press the ball. And if one of those was out of position, um, it meant that the opposition had a lot of time on the ball and there was many, many opportunities and I thought they looked a bit open at times uh, as well. So I think they, they could get battered by some teams away from home, some of the top teams. Um, but yeah, I think in, in the in the games against lower opposition, they've got a decent chance of clean sheet with their five at the back um, if they can sit back and absorb the pressure. So... I think they're decent, and from a West Ham perspective, their fixtures aren't great anyway. I'd be steering well clear until at least Gamey Gate. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to the derby, Chelsea two, Tottenham two. I mean, um, I think it's a probably a very undeserved result for Chelsea. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, look, Chelsea got very unlucky not to win the game. Tottenham didn't play well at all. We're exposed. Chelsea were a lot better than I think everyone expected. Everyone wrote them off at the start of the season. Um, and obviously, there was some interesting refereeing as well. Uh, but we won't get into that. No one wants to hear about that. I'm sure they've heard enough about it this week. Um, in terms of FPL, Cucurella on, on some set pieces on some corners. Um if he nails down that spot, which I think he will, actually, at five mil is a is a very good option. Uh, obviously, Koulibaly scoring a nice goal. James scoring as well. We know what James can do. Definitely, Chelsea defence is definitely investable in my opinion. And James did play right centre back for half the game, 
for the 60 minutes of the game and then went to right wing back, obviously scored. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, Chelsea defensively, like they were last season, they're definitely a team to invest in. Um, Tottenham, I think, look, it was a... Tottenham never play well against Chelsea and this time they actually got a result away at Chelsea, which hasn't happened in a long time. So that just shows the difference from last season. So that just makes the Tottenham assets look much better. Um, I think, look, Session and Perisic, Session had a stinker, got clipped at 15 minutes or something. Um, and I'd be very concerned, even though I think it's harsh again to drop him. Perisic came on, didn't look amazing, but put in a couple of nice balls, got the assist. Um, so, yeah, look, I think Perisic is probably going to start at the weekend. I think defensively, Tottenham is still great. Still, still, I'd still go there, in my opinion. I don't get put off by this game. And attacking-wise as well. I mean, look, with Kane scoring that goal, that's going to give him some momentum um, for, the, for the coming up games. And look, he did, again, he didn't have a great game. Son was terrible, uh, got, got hooked early. But look, Kane scored, and that's what strikers are there to do. It doesn't matter how bad you play, as long as you do your job. And that's his job, scoring goals. Um, so yeah, look, a very, very, I was very, very happy um, as a as a as a Spurs fan, and that's a very good point. And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of you can definitely invest a lot in in both those teams in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, by the way, what a goal from Kuli Barley on the on the volley from Kukureya's corner. Um, what a lovely goal that was. Um, but yeah, interestingly, Kukurea getting the, the assist here from a corner at 5 mil. So he's on corners and he's playing at left wing back in that Chelsea team. We know what Chelsea's uh, left wing backs have done in the past. Do you think he's nailed, Tom? I don't think you could say nailed, but I think he keeps his place, yes. But I don't know is, if you could say nailed. Is he a reliable pick for the next, let's say, three weeks, so four or five game weeks. Well, as long as his hair's recovered and he's uh, stopped moaning about that, then yeah, I think so. And so you don't think Chilwell comes back into the team? No. No, I don't, I don't think he can after it. Cucurella played very well. Um, I think, yeah, I think I think he stays in Cucurella. I, I think he definitely starts this weekend and then if they win and keep clean sheet at Leeds, I don't see why you'd change it. So yeah, no, I think he, I think he plays. I'm not sure. Um, Duke was the biggest fan of Chilwell, to be honest. I just don't think he is. It's interesting. Obviously, Tuchel would have chosen Kukurea as well. I think I'm, I'm considering him in my own team at five mil. That is a great price. The centre backs five and a half mil for Chelsea. So five mil is a wonderful price for Kukurea. If he can nail himself down, it's great. I just think before. When we likely wildcard, I'm guessing for most people, between game week six and game week eight. Chelsea play Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, West Ham, Fulham, and then Liverpool in game week eight. That's a great run of fixtures that I really want to capitalise on. And I think for that, you've got to have one of the wing-backs. I think even two of them is not a bad shot. So I really like the look of them. Uh, I think Sterling's too expensive, but I think he's going to score soon. Uh, and then from a Spurs point of view, next four fixtures look great. Wolves, Forest, West Ham and Fulham. Um, and if I could get my hands on one of them, I would. But you've, you've got the consideration of price. I wouldn't go as Son. His form doesn't look great, as you mentioned, Tom. Um, I think Kane could come into goal scoring 
drawn big time in the next four game weeks, but then you've got to weigh that up against Haaland. And then with the fullbacks, there's still a bit of uncertainty. I'm guessing uh, Royale played at right wing back, didn't he, Tom? Or at least to start with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about who's going to... I mean, Mora came on at right wing back, which means Doherty's definitely not going to come in anytime soon. I'd say I think Royal. I, I I think yeah. I think Royal keep his place to be honest, but I wouldn't go on the right. I I I I think Perisic comes in. I if you're going for one of them, I would go Perisic. Yeah, uh, I don't think I'd bring in Perisic with the uncertainty of of minutes. I think you can go for James or Kukurea, and it's probably going to be more reliable. Mainly because they play City away and Leicester at home. I mean, that could be a great game to be fair, but City away fixtures certainly put me off, and with his minutes. Uh, certainly a risk even in this Wolves game. And then with the midweek game week in game week five, there's, there's a likely chance of rotation, um, either in that game or the game before or after. So I wouldn't get on Perisic now. Uh, but if you've got him... What do you mean City away is putting you off? Have you seen the last few times we've played City? I don't remember the last time we lost to City. Must have been the Carabao Cup final. We City cannot beat us. And I would not be put I off think City, City score against... Yeah, but there's definitely the way how open City think how high Cancelo and Walker get. There'll be so much space behind for the wing backs for Tottenham on the counter. Yeah, could be right. I, I, mm. Yeah, I think I, I'd pref- I'd probably go for no more than one goal in that game. The way City are playing at the moment, I suppose. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah no, I get I, I get what you're saying on Perisic. Like you said, there's uncertainty. Um. But yeah. Yeah. Well, final game of the game, it was Liverpool versus Palace. And well, uh, a big lesson, a big footballing lesson at 23 years old for the Uruguayan striker. I feel for the owners, he had some great chances in the game. Uh, and had he not got sent off, I think Liverpool could have got a couple of goals and got the win. Uh, very poor from Nunez, I thought. A very, very bad decision making, getting antagonised by Anderson. But disappointing for Liverpool, Tom. No returns for, for the main three, Robertson, Trent and Salah. But Diaz getting a very nice goal. Interesting. Yeah, and I think, look, Nunes, you know, there's people that look up to Nunes, like you. And when the uh, the, the, like waitress, right, the waitress didn't let you have your southern fried chips, you nearly headbutted him as well. So, uh, yeah, that's the problem with uh, players like these. Um, you... Uh, you tend to uh, follow your idols. But, um, yeah, I mean, what a prat, Nunes. What a prat. Um, but, fair play to Palace. I mean, Vieira had a game plan. He played five at the back. Catch Zaha up front. And it worked to perfection. Um, but, yeah, fair play to them. Liverpool look, look open at the back. Um, and they've had a terrible start. And I think they're, they're going to make it a, 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 a long season for themselves at, at this rate. Yeah. Well, firstly, Tom, uh, I, I didn't know that the word waitress changed gender. Uh, but anyway, uh, good performance from Palace, in my opinion. Uh, they set up quite well. and I, I think I feel like with Liverpool, it's happened in numerous seasons in the past where they've started the season off defensively a lot more shaky. And towards the middle and end of the season, they, they've come up a lot better defensively. And I think it's because of the style of football they play. You know, we see we see City comfortably keeping a clean sheet against Bournemouth. I don't think that would have happened if Liverpool were home to Bournemouth. I think the style of football with the very high-pressure football 
Liverpool play, when it's not quite clicking, when it still needs a bit of work and a bit of time, there, there's bigger opportunities for uh, opposition teams. And we saw that with Zaha getting his goal and then, OK, Phillips is, is at centre-back and he certainly looked out of practice. Uh, but even when Zaha hit the post, Trent switched off. You know, if players, I feel like they're switching off a little bit more at the start of the season, which is understandable. But that really punishes Liverpool more than City, I think. So defensively, a bit concerning. But I, I think it's worth sticking with Liverpool. The fixtures still look very good. United, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Everton, Wolves and Chelsea in the next six. So I wouldn't be switching off uh, Robbo. I think Diaz is a, is a nice option. Uh, and he's so... He certainly looked better when Nunes got the red card. So I think um, if that trend continues, then he, he'll pick up quite a few points in the next few game weeks. But I wouldn't switch your third Liverpool asset, Robbo, to Diaz or Diaz to Robbo. I can tell you why uh, Liverpool struggle earlier in the season. Because uh, as Klopp would say, the grass is too dry for them to be playing uh, off. One of his many excuses he's used in the first two games of the season. Um, but yeah, not not looking good at old uh, Anfield. Not looking good. Yeah, what I would say is to start the game, Liverpool looked very, very sharp, very good. I thought Trent had a very good game offensively, very good passing and uh, positioning. Uh, I think he he's shown he's shown what he needed to show to me for me to be absolutely content that even if Liverpool failed to keep. Um, clean sheets in the next one or two games that I'm going to stick with him because he, he looks sharp and I think Liverpool are going to s- start scoring a few more goals. Um, so I think Trent's good. Robbo, on the other hand, not I'm not as convinced by him. He seems he got brought off at 60 minutes with a I don't know why if it was fitness related, but he also seems to have a little finger injury. Not that, that might make a difference, but it just adds to the vibe of him not being as prepared to um, to play at his, his, his top level. So, I'm not overly convinced by Robert, but with the fixtures, I think you stick with him. Um, although there is a, there is quite a strong draw in, in bringing in maybe a Cancelo for Robertson if you don't really own him, given Cancelo starts the season. But I think with Liverpool's fixtures, you stick out, they will start picking up points, I think. Yeah, and it's interesting with what you were saying about uh, Trent and what you said about the key passes earlier. Now, obviously, he got two bonus. I think he made like 25 key passes or something. In that game, like something like that. Um, so no wonder he's so high in bonus. So yeah, Trent Trent looks good. Trent looks on it for sure. Yeah, he ended up with one bonus point by the way. Harvey Elliott got the other one. Um, from a Palace perspective, they've got a few right fixtures: Villa, Brentford, United in the next three home games. But I wouldn't be investing them. Zaha playing up front was interesting. I think you could maybe look to see that in the City away game. But in the home games, I'd imagine Eduardo Mateta comes in at striker. So I wouldn't be going for Palace just yet. I'd, I'd wait for a few game weeks. they got a lovely fixture on from game week 12 to game week 20. So I think there'll be a time for them, but it's not right now. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Right. Well, that, that rounds us off, Tom. Would you like to take the lead as we move into the next section? Well, yeah. Well, firstly, before we move on, it's time to update the listeners on the FPL Apprentice League. Um, so we've had some change in the in the top three, and it's interesting, Chris. These these two players at the, at the top. So we've got check check your booty, Sam Bishop. Uh, I rate that name. Um, he's first, and I, and again, he's I think uh, I, he's a mate of mine. He's not a um 
well play like he doesn't play FPL that well like as in like as in like you know he's not like us you know like sort of a casual we'd say and then A in a manger uh, Ben Parker and again Chris he, he came on the pod last season and remember how crap his team was he's second in our league so both having strong teams and then of course uh, hanging by a thread is just hanging into the top three <laughs> and Roberto Hollis uh, fair play to him but yeah it's interesting Chris he, I think um, the game, with the way they, they, they set the prices, the game is a lot more intriguing for casuals this year. And I'm seeing a lot of, of our of our mates that before would get bored. And I know we're only a few seasons in, a few weeks in, but people seem a lot more into it this season than they have previously. And, and they, I think a lot more people will stick it out, especially with that wild card over the World Cup because it's a fresh start. So, yeah, I think in terms of that, it's, it's good, good for FPL and good, and good to see. And well done to them in our, in our league. Definitely, I totally agree with that. I mean, at the start of the season, as you mentioned with prices, Tom, just in general with a number of good options, I was I was very um, sure in pre-season that we'd have a highly competitive Premier League season with the, the, the kind of mid-table teams starting to progress and transform and develop. I thought we'd have a really high-quality league and I think we're starting to see signs of that with Brentford and Brighton being some of those mid-table teams that are you know, performing very well. So, very very good to see. Very good to see that the highly competitive and lots of options in in the FPL market. Yeah, and uh, moving on to the new part of the pod from last week as well. So, in case you didn't listen to last week, if you didn't, well, what were you playing at? You missed the banger. Um, but we've introduced a new part of the pod. It's sort of like a draft eleven each week. We'll build a a draft eleven for the upcoming week. Unlimited budget, maximum of three players. And uh, last week, the team we built, um, I'll read it out now, got us 80 points, Chris. Um, Very nice. So we had, we had Raya in goal, um, which is, you know, which is a great start. And again, it was between him or Ramsdale, and I'm glad we went with Raya. Uh, our defence was Trent, Cancelo, Cecil Young and Trippier. Midfield of Salah, De Bruyne and Martinelli. And an attack of Jesus Haaland and, dare I say it, Nunes, the head butter himself. Um but yeah, very solid team. And this week, we've built our um, our team, our draft for this week. So, shall we start with the goalkeeper position? Yeah, Hugo Lloris in goal. Spurs are playing Wolves at home. We looked through the fixtures and I think this is one of the games we're, we're most confident in for the clean sheet. Um, generally, as a consensus of the two of us. Um, but we'll see in predictions at the end. We, me and Tom, as always, do the prediction game at the end of each episode. And I have predicted quite a few clean sheets other than the Spurs game, Tom. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll get a, a, at least six points from the race this week. So don't worry about that. One. Um, our defence, a very pricey back line. Perisic, James and Kinsella. But again, we're back in Tottenham for the clean sheet. There's always an attack and return in there for the wing-backs. James playing Leeds. We saw what he did at Tottenham. And Cancelo, you just can't have him in there. Even though Newcastle will be a tough game. As we said, bonus point merchant. Can easily see an eight-pointer. Um, so, yeah, they have to be in there. Absolutely. I think they're pretty um, stable picks. Perisic maybe is the one that doesn't fit that trend. I think if, if he starts this game, which we are expecting him to, and he gets 60 minutes. The potential against this Wolves side, who defensively have looked a little bit shaky or unconvincing, let's say. I don't think the fullbacks uh, 
I think Johnny's playing at right back. I'm not overly convinced by the fullbacks. I think Perisic, if he starts, could have. Well, he, I think he's got a very high ceiling in this game if he starts and plays 60 at least. Yeah. And then our midfield of Madison, Salah, Sterling, and Martinelli. Um, very solid midfield. Madison playing Saints. I mean, Saints away from home are probably one of the worst teams in the league. Um, Salah has to be in there playing United. I mean, they are the worst team in the league at the moment on current form. Uh, Sterling, nice little punt there away at Leeds. I mean, they're... Oh, you went in the pub for me for the Chelsea game. Oh, sorry, I got a bit confused. But there were a lot of Chelsea fans hate... They really hate Sterling for some reason. But we're, but we're backing you, Raheem, if you're listening. We don't, I, I personally like him quite a lot. I think he's a class footballer. And uh, Martinelli, I mean, Arsenal away at Bournemouth. I think it'd be a tougher game than people expect. But I still expect Arsenal to score a few and he's on good form. Agreed. Yeah, I think I think Bournemouth will make it difficult. They got a clean sheet against Villa, which maybe isn't as amazing as it looks. But I think Arsenal with their form are going to score, and Martinelli's a, one of the most likely players in that team to score. Yeah, and an attack of Jesus, Harry Kane, captain, and Jamie Vardy. Uh, obviously, Jesus on great form away at Bournemouth. Kane home to Wolves. Got that goal against Chelsea. I really think he bangs this game, and then Vardy. Nice little double up for Leicester because, again, like we said, Saints are rubbish away from home. Yeah, there are six goals conceded already for Saints this season. And Vardy, we're expecting to come into a bit of goal-scoring life. But yeah, as you mentioned, Tom Kane captained. I think that goal against Chelsea, last-minute goal, is going to give him the the mental edge needed uh, to get into some flowing goal-scoring form. But that's our prediction... Our draft 11 for the week. Uh, we had a good week last week. Hopefully, we will continue. If, you, if you're wondering why, why we're doing this, um, partly to test ourselves and to see how well our predictions go, but also, um, you know, in the past, we've just done predictions for the games and the scorelines. But to actually pick out certain players is, is a bit more analytical and a bit more uh, thought through, which is good. And if you hear one of these players and you think, oh, yeah, that's actually a great idea, you know, that might come in handy for your team if you make a transfer or get rid of a player. So that's why we do it. Uh, yeah, that's that's our draft 11 for Gaming 3. Yeah, um, and I think before we move on, we should hear the prediction results. Now, I want to just see, because obviously remember when I did the predictions last week, we had that chat of why I did so well in Gaming 1. You know, I thought about my betting, I'd write them down on that. And then I, I, I don't have a clue how I've done the predictions, but I just thought it'd be interesting to see. And then I don't know if you remember when I said when I was doing the predictions last week, oh, I thought these through, but I haven't written them down. Um, so I don't know if they're like, I, you know, where I'd done my thought process. It was sort of on the spot. So it'll be interesting to see what my score is this week, Chris. I'm, I'm quite interested in, in that this week. Well, I bagged seven points from seven correct results this week. And Tommy bagged four points. Yeah. In comparison yeah. with 10 from gaming yeah. one. Hmm. So maybe there is a, a correlation there. That's interesting. There, there could be. There could certainly be. I think there was a bit of Spurs bias in there. You, you did switch from 4-0 to 6-0 in the City game as well. So there might be some correlation, but it's only one example so far this season. I don't think you could say Spurs bias, Chris. I think a lot of people back Spurs in, in that game. Um, and and after watching Chelsea at Everton as well, a lot of people back Spurs. 
But I think that was a very reasonable prediction, 1-0 Spurs. I don't think it was unreasonable. I think there was an element of bias considering you said Kulu was going to score the only goal in a 1-0 win yeah, away at Chelsea. I watched him. I watched them play at Southampton and Kulu was world-class in that game. So I, yeah. I don't think there's any bias there at all. I think that's I think that uh, is a bit unfactual. Enough. I think that's very unfactual of you. It's an opinion. Mm, it's very unfactual. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom, we have got the prediction game for game week three to do. Um, ca- captaincy for this week, where would you go? It's an interesting one. Um, can we talk about our teams first before we go into captaincy? Because I don't want to spoil my team. So we've done some teams and then talk about captaincy. Yeah, okay. All right. Our team. What's going on with our team then, Chris? What are we thinking? So we're looking at making one transfer in our team. Coutinho's got to go. Uh, and Martinelli looks like the most likely replacement. We're going to put our um, transfers where our mouths are. Uh, we mentioned that Martinelli's probably the best transfer in this week. And it's probably the player that we're going to be bringing in as the only transfer. And then for captaincy, I think... I think Haaland's got the potential to have another West Ham type game, but he's not going to get as many chances as he did against West Ham. Newcastle much more solid defensively, in my opinion, uh, in our opinion. And that kind of leaves us with Jesus and and Salah. I think there's a slight risk of the game getting postponed. Uh, the Man United-Liverpool game due to crowd storming the pitch, um, as that seems to have been planned online. However, I think you stick the captaincy on Salah. That's what we're going to do. Because United just look so poor. Tom literally just, just said that they're probably the poorest team in the league right now based on current form. Uh, but Jesus is a backup vice-captaincy if the Liverpool game does get uh, postponed. Um, I think Jesus is a quality pick, um, as shown by the fact he got four turns in one game. The only thing to mention is Bournemouth did keep a clean sheet against Villa and uh, Jesus failed to return in his only away game for Arsenal so far. So I don't think he's got as much potential as if it's home game, but um, I think that's part of the reason why Salah's getting the captaincy. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, when we hear my team in a minute, you'll hear why. But I'm actually going up to Old Trafford to storm the pitch with the United fans. Um, Love a good protest and can't be having Salah play when his ownership's going to be very high. So look out for those pictures of me on Old Trafford, Chris. And um, I'm sorry, but let's make sure you've Listeners, you've got your vice-captains uh, ready because Salah will not be playing on Monday night. Let's hear your team. Uh, I'm looking at making quite a few transfers in my own team. Cash to a Chelsea defender, most likely. Coutinho to Martinelli. And uh, I may make another midfield transfer. I'm very interested in Gross. I like the look of him a lot uh, for the next five game weeks. Who? Pascal Gross. Gross. Yeah. Oh, Pascal. Brighton. Pen pen merchant. Yeah. Very nice. Fair enough, Chris. Who would he come in for? Bailey or Neto? Bailey, yeah. Oh, he's keeping Neto. I look forward to next week's pod already. Okay. <laughs> All right, my team. Uh so as I'm a man that likes to keep on track with the price rises, I've already made my changes. Um t- taking a price like my, um, my value, team value, sorry, very seriously this season because I think it's very important and there's a big correlation with people that do well and they always seem to have quite a high budget at the, come the end of the season. Um, so I had made two transfers last night. 
I sold Matty Cash for Zinchenko. Cash then went to drop and Zinchenko rose. So that was a very big move for me. And I uh, sold Haaland, Chris, and uh, brought back in Harry Kane, which is very controversial. Um, got the price rise out of Haaland, so got the point two. So got the money out of him and thought it was time to shift him. Um, and uh, I would very much like to captain Harry Kane. That's why I'm hoping, you know, that we get the United, United game called off so Salah can't play. But I'm also very scared of Salah and his ownership. And due to the fact that it's being so early, I'll probably end up captaining Salah and Ison Kane just because I've learned and I want to sort of not mess up my rank too early on and not risk it. So I'm, I'm preferring to play it safe for now. I think as the season goes on, I'm, I'm not a safe manager, but my lesson I've learned is to play it a bit safer at the start. So I will probably end up captain Sam. Yeah. And why are you choosing to get rid of Haaland for a minus four to bring in Kane? I think a few things. I think firstly, Haaland, firstly, you're going to get 20 minutes extra out of Kane most games. But Haaland, as we've seen the first two, have been subbed at 70 both games. And I think he's going to continue to. So 20 minutes, and especially when, you know, when teams are pushing for a goal and the game becomes a lot more open, there's a, I think, I don't know if it's statistically proven. I'm pretty sure it would be, but I don't know. But I'm sure a lot more games come in the last 20 minutes than they do in like the first 70 minutes, I'd say, in terms of if you split it into like 30-minute periods or something, the last 30 minutes, there'd be more than the first two 30-minute periods. That might be wrong, but I'm pretty certain that's true. Um, Secondly, I think for me, the way I'm playing FPL this season as well is I want to chase the premiums. And for me, Kane was the best option in game week one, the best premium. Again, I stuck with Salah because I wanted to play it safe as in captain. Tottenham scored four. I, again, Kane didn't return. That's very unfortunate. And then for me, Haaland was the best captain and best premium option in game week two. So I switched to Haaland, captain him. City scored four. He got an assist, and I think this weekend Kane's the best premium option um, with Wolves at home. And I think that that goal against Chelsea pushed me over the edge. I did say to you before the weekend that I was considering it. it it's not a reactionary transfer, but what I saw in that Chelsea game of you know where before Kane's had a bad game, he does nothing. You know he's there, and and there's just fight from that Tottenham team, and that's what I want to see. And I, I and it's convinced me. Um, and yeah, I'm very sold in Kane. And I think it, it will be a longer term move, hold of Kane. Um, I won't be switching back to Haaland anytime soon. And yeah, I got the price out of Haaland as well. So yeah, that's my uh, thinking behind going with Kane. Mm. I certainly think during this episode, I've spoken highly of Spurs' fixtures in the next at least four game weeks. I'd love to have a Spurs attacker. It's just which one. If you get Kane, you're probably going to have to sacrifice Haaland, which is your case, Tom, now. Interestingly, on the XG you mentioned, I saw a very good thread on Twitter um, of someone who analysed the expected goals throughout games on average. And there is a clear, clear increase in the last 10, 20 minutes of games. I think Aston Villa-Everton was a great example. In the last 10 minutes, the XG must have flown through the roof with the chances that were coming about. Um, But it tends to be the case in games in the last 20 minutes or so. Yes, there are more more chances the game becomes more open as teams push for a late goal. Um, so if someone's missing out on the last 20 minutes of each game, they are severely uh, limiting their XG, you'd imagine. However, um, 
One thing to note with XG is it can be misleading. Some people might manipulate the statistic online. So they say expected goals per 90. So obviously, if a player is only on the pitch for 20 minutes in the last 20 minutes of the game and there's a load of chances and they get a 0.5 XG, someone can say, oh, XG per 90 is really about 3, 2.5 to 3 XG. So you've got to just be aware of how people can manipulate those statistics. Um, but yes, Tom, you were right with your with your feeling about XG being higher in the last 20 or so minutes. I didn't mean XG, I meant actual goals. And I think that's still a fact as well. I, it should be the same, yeah. I, I don't I don't care about XG, to be honest, because I think, it, like, like we've seen loads of times with Son and Kane themselves, Son, for the last three seasons, of course, has completely overperformed XG. So I, I don't make decisions off XG personally. But that's interesting. So I think that would locate to that bit. There definitely is a lot more goals in the last 20 minutes. But yeah, no, that, that is very interesting. Yeah. But yeah, as you said, don't get sucked in by actually. There is a lot of nonsense. In, I think in, it can be very useful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you said, Silva's got two goals in the last year and got an XG of 0.1. So it's, it's, it's an interesting one. But you've got to... You can't base everything off XG, in my opinion. You have to watch the games or watch the highlights. You've got to mix it with eye tests. Because if you just do it off XG, that's, that is just, in my opinion, it's just not like good enough, really. In like, as in to get a right decision. You've got to watch the game because stats are very misleading. They can be, yeah. Um, one great example is that of that is in the Man City Bournemouth game when Foden didn't square it to Haaland. You know, Haaland won't register any expected goals for that uh, chance. Uh, but it was a simple open goal if Foden makes a pass. So you don't get to see that with stats, but the XG is indicative of the number of chances and the number of big chances that are being created in games. So the fact that there's a lot in the last 20 minutes um, inevitably leads to more goals. All right. So, yeah, we've, 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 I think we've covered captaincy. Salah's probably going to be the highest owned. I think Jesus is a good shout as well. And you've got the likes of Kane and Hart. I think, yeah, I think you go with Salah, but just make sure you've got your vice on someone just in case, like someone that you want as your backup. Yeah. Um, and I, I personally wouldn't captain Haaland against Newcastle. Not not for me. I'd be vice and Jesus over Haaland. But, um, that's just me. Um, Shall we go to the prediction game, Chris? Yeah, first game is Tottenham versus Wolves. I've gone with 3-1 to Spurs. I've gone 3-0. Next game, Palace versus Villa. Oh, where did I go? I didn't write them down here. I'm going to go 2-1 Palace. Yeah. I think this game will be quite low scoring. Palace at home are normally very solid defensively. And I just get the sense that uh, this game will be low scoring. So 1-0 Palace for me. Next game, Villa. Sorry, Everton versus Nottingham Forest. Again, I'm expecting a low scoring affair in this one. I've gone with 1-0 Everton because I think it's that type of game, early season home game, that they've got to win, really. Um, otherwise, the the form, the confidence is going to really, really drop off. So, 1-0 Everton for me. That's promising for William. Um, I've gone 1-1. Okay. Fulham versus Brentford. Tom? I'm going to go 2-1 for them. Oh. 
it would be great to see Fulham get a couple goals. Hopefully Pereira can be on the score sheet. I've gone with 1-1. One, one. Uh, another draw for Fulham. Yeah, it's very reasonable. Leicester versus Saints. You can go first. I've gone with 2-1 here. I think 3-1 could certainly um, happen. But I think Leicester will win this one. I've gone 3-1 Leicester. Bournemouth versus Villa. Uh, sorry, Bournemouth versus Arsenal. A win for Arsenal in this one. 2 0. Yeah, I've gone 3 0, Arsenal. Yeah, reasonable. Leeds versus Chelsea. It's got to be a win for Chelsea in this one. I'm not certain on the clean sheet. Uh, Leeds at home. I mentioned the effect of Leeds home crown last week. Uh, so 3 1 for me. 1 0, Chelsea. Interesting. Why is that? Uh, just yeah, Leeds is a very tough place to go. I just, just think that it's it's going to be one of those ones where Chelsea nick go and they won't be too fussed about attacking. I think I, I don't know. I can just see it being a really tight game. And if I I can't really explain why, I just feel it. Okay, West Ham Brighton. It's got to be two one Brighton. Go one one. Okay. Newcastle versus Man City. 2-0 for City. Yeah, I've gone with 2-0 as well. Newcastle put up a good final. Mm-hmm. And United versus Liverpool. If the game goes ahead, I think it's a comfortable 3-0 win for Liverpool. This is interesting. I was thinking 4-0 Liverpool. Part of me wants to go 1-0 United. But I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool. Yeah, I'm not yep. convinced. Right. Not convinced by Liverpool. Okay. But United well, are so bad. Yeah, I don't think either of us would be surprised if there's a large number next to Liverpool's name come 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Right, definitely. Okay. So that rounds off the prediction game. As I mentioned, Tom's on 14 points. I'm on 13 for the season so far. Uh, And we'll come back to this on next week's pod. Yeah. And it's interesting, Chris, because we said before uh, we podded, this pod can't be longer than last week's episode. And we've hit an hour and 35. So we've smashed last week's, I think, by 10 minutes, which is uh, interesting. But we had a very good discussion. have you know going in depth into the games and yeah I think it was beneficial for both of us and hopefully for the listeners as well absolutely I hope you all have enjoyed this episode and Tom's full of jokes if you want to um, sign Tom up to the world joking championships be my guest it'll put him in his place once and for all uh, but thank you for listening once again and we hope to see you next week yeah and uh, we can confirm Chris has been re-signed as co-host the deal has been uh, emailed to him whilst this pod's been going on um, with uh, the paperwork and the signing on bonus so Chris it's good to have you back and it's I'm glad to to end the end of episode non no co-host not co-hostless um, but yeah thanks for listening again guys um, be sure to check out our Instagram again like I said, I'm, I'm going to plug it a lot um, each week because we are being more active I'm putting out videos on there those sort of things um, so it's important that you're following but yeah best of luck deadline at 
11 on Saturday. It's currently Wednesday today. I'm sure you'll be listening to it Thursday or Friday. Um, but yeah, have a, have a great week, everyone. Don't let FPL ruin your weekend. Um, and like we said, get those vice captains sorted. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. See you next week.